Welcome to Brand New Doctor with me, Rolake Ojo, Doctor Ten Brand Strategist and Graphic Designer for the Health and Wellness Industry. Each episode, I share important ideas and conversations with doctors, dentists, and industry experts to inspire you with new and exciting ways to make an impact in work, life, and healthcare. Following a path to success is one thing, but carving your own is another. This is for you if you want to go beyond book smart. How can we bring more delight and reward to the healthcare experience? This is a question I often ask myself. As a doctor, delight was far down on my list of priorities. Getting the patient the right treatment in time was everything. But as a designer, my idea of treatment has evolved. Yes, it's the medication, the surgery, and the caring people, but it's also the environment which can help us on our way to feeling better and decide whether we remember the experience positively or we want to forget it altogether. Delight and reward are powerful clinical tools if we choose to use them. There are few clinical spaces I've been in which harness them so masterfully as Evelina London Children's Hospital. As a fourth-year medical student on placement there, it was the first time I used the words playful and inspiring to describe a hospital. I just had to get to know the minds behind this. Art in Sight is a studio of artists, designers, and strategists. Their work goes far beyond aesthetics. They create spaces which help people to heal, thrive, and connect. They're responsible not only for the art and interior design of projects at Evelina, but also at Great Ormond Street, King's College Hospital and Broadmoor, to name a few. Late last year, I spoke with the directors of Art and Sight, Louisa Williams, who is also the founder, and Martin Jones, who is an artist in his own right. What they had to say about creativity, delight and reward will inspire and empower you as a human being and a clinician. Let's begin. I know there are a lot of creative types who are in medicine and dentistry who would find this an interesting conversation to listen to but I actually believe that there is a lot in the way that creatives think the way they make connections the way they solve problems that is inspiring to other kinds of people as well so I just wanted to start by kind of asking you about the thinking that has led you to be in the career that you're in now in Art and Sight so Louisa you started out your career kind of more in art history, art dealing, and art consultancy. And you worked with a range of clients in the commercial space, in the charitable space, before you started Art Insight in 2003. And Martin, you joined, I think, some five years later, having worked as an artist and worked in film and advertising as well. And so I'm really interested to know how each of you decided to apply your skill set in the creative industry to working in healthcare settings. So how did you make that link between the two, between healthcare and design and art? Well, it's a lovely question. Yes, I, I was working in galleries, dealerships, actually, art dealers in the early 90s. And I, I, I found it quite you know, sad to see the commodification of art in the sense of it being money on a wall or you know, a collector's item. So I wanted to do something more creative with, with young artists or, or, and, and more career building for artists, for living artists. And so I started a consultancy that was working with, that approached businesses to see how we could work together. And it was from one of those business connections that I worked on the BAA airports 
with an interior designer and we looked at design challenges like how to make a an arrival walkway feel more welcoming and you know how to sort of project an experience for passengers as they move through the building and Wayne, the client I was working with then went on to get a job at King's College Hospital as their interior designer and of course people don't volunteer to go to hospital and she asked me to come and help her to sort of work together on the environments and think about what we could do to change you know what was quite a sort of difficult space and we saw that there were lots of sort of silo activities you know people making design decisions without speaking together clinicians choosing paint colors estate directors choosing flooring and you know it was all sort of not coordinated but the big thing that was also missing was this emotional engagement and the the connection made with their stakeholders their users their you know their customers in the way that retail companies do retail companies think very hard about how they're going to pull people in and what their experience is coming over the threshold how to how to engage people while they're in the store and so we wanted to bring some of that in sort of thinking about how we can engage people better and make them f- how we're making them feel when they're in the building so we we worked on various wards and I think the first project I worked on a patient said to me I can get better now you've done that and the matron said that she'd had people applying for the job, people applying to work there for the first time in 15 years. And so I thought this is really something that people are noticing and it's mattering to them. And I'd really like to sort of, you know, I, I could see that there's a, it is a creative process here and I could see that this is something I could get engaged with. So that's that's what I, that's inspired me to, to focus the company on on healthcare. How about you, Martin? Like Louisa, I was had a had a problem with the commodification of art. I wasn't very keen on galleries, so I went into filmmaking. You know, always working as an artist, but but in in the film world. But I, I think I spent a lot of time designing sets, particularly for television commercials. Because I, I did television commercials, and I think there's a skill set there. In fact, one of the people who's just joined us is somebody who did exactly that and kind of gets that idea of setting a scene or creating an atmosphere really well so you you saw kind of an opportunity to to do that in a kind of a different way or a meaningful way is that was that kind of what yeah so to to help people rather than sell yes yeah vacuum cleaners yes (laughs) that's fair i'm i'm interested to know if your your idea of what creativity is has changed in any way since you started working here or you know with art and sight i think i think i've discovered that other people have different ways of approaching creativity you know i think if you start you know at art school as i did you start a practice of your own but i think some of the 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 sort of practical challenges which perhaps curtail the kind of freedom that you have if you're working you know on your own in the studio make you realize that people are creative within particular constraints and the constraints of a, of a white cube gallery are you know in a way just as challenging as as the, the challenge of, of you know let's say working in a ward which is highly medicalized yes yeah. Yeah, so I think I've learned that people have so many different ways of being creative or creativity comes you know through in so many different ways so you know it takes a creative clinician usually for us to be on board you know for us to come in or somebody needs to be thinking creatively in the in the trust to to want to change something and to want to do something differently and to think that maybe art would or or, you know enhanced environment would be the answer for them and I think I was going to say we quite often come on board when there's a cultural change in the way that care is being delivered so maybe there's a model of care that's changed or is changing maybe due to medicine changing or treatments changing or the population that are served or you know are are, are presenting and and that requires creative thinking from the whole team so it's trying to get everybody together and to think 
together creatively. And I think sometimes where it gets more difficult is, or where there are sort of misunderstandings about creativity is when people say, oh, we've had the creative thought here before you arrived. Okay. (laughs) And this is what we'd like you to do. Right. (laughs) And we'd rather do the creative thinking together and start from that point of you know why what's changed and why have they invited us in I see how how are you able to kind of guide them into that way of thinking rather than you know just execute this idea that we had already well I, I think often they they people say things like that we've done all the thinking because they feel they're very dutiful you know people who work in medicine are very dutiful and I think they often have been asked to and they have a meeting about it and they kind of think, well, you know, we have to, they read somewhere that you have to have a brief and that has to be inspiring and also mm. constraining. And to answer your question, I think, you know, if, if somebody brings to you a kind of basically a, an execution or an image, you know, they say we want a beach or something like that, yeah. that you start to talk about what's behind that choice mm. rather than, you know, rather than what kind of beach. You know, oh. so in other words, if it's a... You know, if it's a beach, is it a kind of desire for, you know, escape? Is it about the horizon? Is it about light? You know, all of those things, I think, are which are more to do with people's almost impossible to describe feeling of attraction towards one thing and repulsion towards another. And we, you know, artists are trained to to, 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 to recognise those feelings and work with them. And so you know our process really is to kind of look at look at those feelings of attraction or repulsion and then start to think about what the you know the creative solution is going to yeah, be yeah yeah i see it's like kind of going from asking what questions to why and and delving deeper into people's thinking behind yeah and we're very i think what, what's what's lovely actually is that you it's about really working talking to clinicians as as clinicians rather mm-hmm. than as people who've been given the job of being an artist yeah. you know so you and and often they say well you know why are you talking about this you know <laughs> and we say well that's that's the that's the real stuff that's going to help us make the designs because mm-hmm. it's about what you do about what you say how you say it you know where do you stand you know when you say it do you yeah. go out to the patient do the patient come in to you all of those things really help us to build up a picture of you know how to set about the designs i guess the reason why i find your space is very inspiring is because you create a sense of delight and reward this is the kind of the the best way i can think of to describe it really it's not just a space made for delivering care but it's also a space that people want to be in i would say and so i i think that this is an interesting thing that Obviously, as designers, it's your job to think about that. But I think healthcare professionals should also think about how can we inject more delight into the healthcare experience. And I I wonder what you think is key to actually doing that, to achieving that. Personally, I think it's about recognising, if you're talking about aesthetics, recognising that you as a clinician are part of the, a big part of the aesthetic experience of of the patient. Mm -hmm. So you're... You know, and 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 actually, you know. So if you if you say that, they go, oh no, 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 <laughs> not at all. But but actually, you know, the the tone of voice that you use, the kind of words that you use, the eye contact you make or you don't make, how you dress, you know, the you know the uniform, how you wear the uniform, and so on, are all aesthetic experiences for the patient. And I think that you know making that connection then leads on to, I think, you know, what you're interested in, which is sort of branding or, you know, some sense of identity and connecting that identity, you know, fr- from the individual to the ward, to the, to, the, to the practice, you know, the medical practice and the way of practicing it. And actually, if you start talking about those things, then actually the design decisions become much easier than going, what do we like? We did a project for the Chesterfield Macmillan Cancer Centre and they were an incredible team led by very passionate and extraordinarily dedicated nurses. And when we took the brief, one of the nurses said we want it to be like home. And so I thought, well, are we going to be doing curtains and... (laughs) 
And she said, home is people who know you. And then I thought, well, this is this is really that's a really powerful way of looking at it, because if home is people who know you, then people know what you need and they know your likes and dislikes Mm -hmm. and they also know what will enchant you and delight you. And so I think that's actually getting to know your patients and and what will delight them. And, you know, it's it's like being given the right Christmas present, isn't it? You're you're delighted. And I think I think, you know, Martin's project for Gosh, where he's the characters are carrying the children through the building and you know I think they're so focused on the experience of of that particular cohort and that those children that that it is delightful to be recognized and to know that that's what you're going through and to be seen in that way and I think the same with the Evelina gang that are in the Evelina building that you were talking about you know they are children who are experiencing healthcare and and to be sort of recognized and seen I think is 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 delightful and then to have sort of humor on top helps it's interesting you mentioned the characters carrying the the patients through the hospital I'm not sure if this is the same the same project that I was thinking of but I I really loved project you did for for gosh for great Ormond Street hospital with which was for for young patients with hearing and visual impairments is this the same one you're talking about yeah that's yeah one. yeah I, I actually that was one of my favorite ones that you, you you've done and it was for the same reasons that you're describing Louisa that they're you know patients who are you know growing up in a world that is by and large not made or cognizant of their particular needs and you created this experience with the dollhouse where they can you know get comfortable and kind of familiarize themselves with hospital and that kind of that that kind of setting whilst they're waiting for their appointments and I just I, I imagine how delightful that could feel to to have something made specifically for them but in a fun playful kind of way but I wonder if you if you had a kind of favorite project of your own that you'd like to talk about a little bit more. I I really like that you're using the word delight. It's yeah. it's I mean it's there's an architecture sort of adage, isn't there, about build, you know I can't remember it's from Vitruvius, isn't it, that the buildings should have they should stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and what are the three things? It's they they've got to be strong. They've got to be commodious, but and they should delight. You know, mm. and I think that there's. I think architects, you know, do really well under the circumstances, but there are the the constraints of building healthcare facilities are that the delight is, you know, can be lost, particularly when you're when there's no window, you know, which is always d- delightful. It's a, it's about a, a little surprise, isn't it? Yeah. And often it's, you know, but architects know how to delight you with, you know, going through a door and then suddenly seeing a window where the light falls in a particular way. And often it's those things that we're picking up on. That that one was particularly easy because it was a delightful building already and I knew it quite well. So all I did was just do the building and then drawings of people who are in it and then got the patients to do the voices so it was that was easy it can be more difficult mm-hmm. i think mental health is a very difficult one because mm-hmm. i think the there's a, a huge need to create good environments for mental health in patients let's say and there is a recognition very strong recognition that it's beneficial to have a good surroundings you know it's just just a no-brainer isn't it really but but on the other hand I think people are very uncertain about what works and what doesn't work they're much more certain about what doesn't work I, I would say or that or they or con, you know worries concerns you know that the, the idea of getting the environment wrong feels quite catastrophic in mental health. So Broadmoor, I think, was, you know, was very interesting. Unfortunately, nobody can see it. And in, in it's, it's, it's not somewhere where you can visit easily. Yeah. Although if you get a chance, I would recommend it. But that was, I think that was very interesting because it gave us a very good grounding in making very robust pieces of of art they had to be they were mm-hmm. tested you know to destruction we used so we used some materials which were which are really beautiful often the most robust materials are the most beautiful and and i think that's something that you know we enjoy very much yes i think my favorite 
projects it's so difficult to 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 choose but and we we get so involved in all of them but i think the one that is so rewarding to think about is the stainless steel cut net curtains that we did for the well and garden city new qe2 hospital Uh and aesthetically they're very beautiful because you've got this dark a very dark bronze hand glazed tile facade and then these cut brilliant sort of silver stainless steel screens set against them but the artist charlotte mann drew neck curtains she she her subject matter were, were was neck curtains that she had seen around the town she was inspired by individual homes around the town that featured their neck curtains there were two two cultural reasons why i thought this was sort of wonderful one is the the sort of presence of the individual and how across a facade their individual make-believe choices of you know who's chosen which curtain and how they're draped and so you imagine that the building's populated you know there is a sense of personality and and of it being inhabited which I think is welcoming but also we discovered that the patterns within net curtains had appeared in often they had sort of very long histories in in design and craft often originating in places like India or Iran, Austria, different eras. And so there was this extraordinary sense of design crisscrossing the world, inspiring each other, but also becoming very democratised in Mm. this humble, humble net curtain. So for listeners of the podcast, there is a framework called design thinking, which can be used to guide the, the designing process. But it you know, it's amazing actually because it can be used to think about any project that you might have in li- in mind to bring to life, including in the healthcare setting. So can you tell me a little bit more if we take one of these examples and just talk about how you went from the brief to actually getting the end result? I think I described it before actually, that our process is to wind back to the to the emotions behind the assumptions or to do with uh, we talk about executions you know we, you know to, uh, to if you were to come in saying you know we want it like where's Wally and we want it to be a beach and we've decided that 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 is that's an execution you know so that's it's not a an idea it's not I know, it's, it's not the emotion behind it so yeah. that so that would be the first process part of the process is really kind of talking through you know, wh- oh, that's really interesting. Why, you know, why a beach? Why, where's Wally? Yeah. And and th- I think you have to do that. The other thing is that you have to know the particular, the particulars of the patient group and the particulars of the way that the doctors and nurses are approaching that patient group. You know, you could have wards that are next to each other, you know, that will, or even within a ward, you know, you will have a room which is, you know, for instance, in a maternity facility, you would t- you'd have a, b- a birthing space. You would also have a space where people are having difficult conversations, and those two are completely different yeah. needs. So you have to really thoroughly understand those before you start having any ideas. And then you and then if people are interested, you can start working with them. You know, in a collective way, where they you know you do a design workshop where they mm. actually participate and come up with ideas and you know think through ideas to some sort of resolution and so what what kind of questions do you ask them on your workshops if you don't mind sharing to kind of get the the knowledge or the ideas from them well sometimes i think quite often it helps to be not like head-on you know so it's not like what kind of hospital do you want yeah (laughs) usually people will tell you that anyway but in order to sort of maybe just just sort of free up people's kind of you know creativity it can be useful to talk about other circumstances you know like what shops do you like for instance or what do you you know what shops do you hate and why and then think through what the what the experience of those places is like and people do i mean you know louisa was talking about home people do very often talk about home and of course everybody's home is different (laughs) you know then you can't create everybody's home you know so but but i think thinking trying to think through what the qualities of home that you that you want to there's a there's a i think there's a a a sort of way of thinking about design which is 
that actually that spaces or places emote Mm-hmm. So, in other words, as a as a person would emote, you know, if they would smile or they would frown or whatever, that actually that, that spaces do that as well, and I think that's a good, I think that's a good place to start. Clinicians very often have a good idea about what they what they want the place to be like, yeah. but they can't necessarily articulate it. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's really just finding ways that they can articulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of developing a, a vocabulary for mm-hmm. for for that kind of thing. I was thinking of the engagement we've been doing at Avelina for their new core building, which is an, it's a day surgery unit. Yeah. And the engagement team, together with the arts team at St. Thomas's, did a lot of work with the children to sort of ask them how they would like to, to you know, what, what this experience meant for them. Yeah. And strangely, they said a grand day out. Oh, (laughs) so they wanted to see it as as a kind of adventure Mm -hmm. and they wanted to come away with things that were sort of new you know that they would have a little bit like you were saying earlier about delight and finding things and discovering things so they did want it to be fun so the scheme is built around the idea of going into space and the Evelina gang are exploring a mixture of fantasy mythological actual all aspects of 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 people's idea of of space and and historical figures and you know so there's a lot to uncover and unearth in there and I think it is going to be I I was thinking the other day that their memories will be of maybe with alongside other things but they will have memories of these art pieces and the children the Evelina gang telling them new facts or you know in fact here we have just beside us a, a light ceiling led box oh wow of okay. a, it's a it's a made-up star constellation yeah. of a of a running rabbit <laughs> so there's things for them to discover and it will you know it'll be delightful i, I love that answer because it's so true that you know either way kids are gonna develop some kind of impression of their experience they're going to develop memories i think a lot of people's apprehension with with healthcare begins in childhood to be honest with you so it's it's great that we're you know we're able to start from when they're young to make them feel a little bit differently about that experience i wanted to talk a bit more about ideas because it it's something that i've had to kind of get over this idea that inspiration just strikes and there's nothing you can do <laughs> to to help that process. You either you're either inspired or you're not inspired. And part of going to design school for me was unlearning that and realizing that you can actually nurture creativity and you can there are ways in which you can kind of look for good ideas rather than wait for them to come to you. So I wanted to ask what your opinion is on that and what it is that you do to kind of nurture that creativity or if you are indeed just very gifted do you mind if we we talk about the the king's children's critical care center as a where do ideas come from yeah because it was the icu unit that was commissioned probably 2010 and the ward was being sponsored by thomas cook holidays (laughs) and so we had a they the, the thomas cook wanted there to be some kind of reference to family holidays and they you know they that was a very strong theme for them but of course you know in children's intensive care I think you know there's something like 40 children a year who don't make it and so the staff were were very Mm. apprehensive about having this sort of beach theme but one day we were talking to staff on the unit and asking what it was like to care for a very sick child like that and and she said well actually it's like flying a kite Mm. and you make very small adjustments but you've continually got this connection with the child and it's a sort of two-way connection it's a pull and a tug and you know and so there we thought well we have our theme because we have the the flying kite is is an image of of life but it's not so personalized it's not an image of a child um you know and it, it so it, it brings hope mm-hmm. and life and joy but it doesn't show you it doesn't set up that that awful comparison mm-hmm. 
of 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 happy family holidays yeah 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 that's such a beautiful metaphor it was a very beautiful metaphor yes Mm, yeah it is it's interesting talking about thinking kind of metaphorically actually i think that is a really good point when we maybe start to lateralize a little bit and think what's it like or what can we represent how can we represent this in a different way maybe that's a good question to ask ourselves how about you martin I, I think you should do, oh, ask yourself questions a lot. Yeah. But I, but I also think you have to do, mm-hmm. and and I, I think there's a. I think if you're worried about getting stuck with ideas, remember that what you're making is not an idea. Mm. I mean, it's something that exists in the world. And actually, in my experience, make the ideas come out of making. So and and I think if you begin that you with the I with the thought, the notion that you're not going to create the perfect masterpiece, you develop with the, um, the w- what you're making, you know, whether it's a pot or whether it's a drawing or whether it's, you know, you're working on a computer, you develop a relationship with the stuff and ideas come out of that, that relationship because you're, it's hard, you know, as a creative person, you're, you are, in a way, trying to get in touch with your own reactions to things. Mm-hmm. And you can't react to nothing. You can't, you can't really react to an idea. I mean, if you can react to an idea, I think probably what's happening is that you're visualising it in some way. You're creating kind of an internal image. It worries me when people think too much about it, that actually, you, you know, you're making something which, if it's successful, is going to be impossible to sum up in words or you know or even say it was an idea you know it's a it's a thing it's there and it's like a a human being it's alive i do think about this actually going off piece slightly but i i think that a lot of the the problems that we're trying to solve in our heads stay as problems in our heads for too long and we're trying to kind of extrapolate or work through every possible solution and we never get to a, a result until we actually take some action I'm a governor at school and I'm one who goes and looks at the art. And very often what happens in, in primary schools is that you'll choose an artist to kind of base your project on. And in this case, I've forgotten the name of the artist. It's terrible, but she's great. And her work was had symbolic elements in it. They were goddesses and they, you know, the way that they were dressed had symbolic kind of resonances. And I think often that is a way in for people who worry about their skills for instance so in a way that's sort of modifying what i was saying about just working you know i think that's fine for artists but people you know they come well i don't like it it's no good you know that sort of thing which for for an artist is a really it's really important to do work that you don't like because you because you you have to then reflect about why you don't like it and that's really the only way that you can grow Mm -hmm. but but i think for people who are starting that can be a very daunting prospect to be left with something that you don't like and i think that was a very i was really an eye-opener for me how engaged the children were with this symbolic aspect they were making self-portraits of themselves as gods and goddesses Mm -hmm. and they were collaging things which they felt were kind of associated with their kind of god god or goddess like status and and that that freed them up hugely to be making all sorts of aesthetic choices and they hardly knew that that they were making because they were so engaged with this process that they were very familiar with which was was imagining okay oh okay i see so it's kind of this idea of an instead of instead of fixing the goal on being creative or fixing the goal on making something good, hmm. change the the goal, <laughs> basically, and give a little bit more of a, a you know, an, I- an idea to, to hang things onto rather than, you know, the end point being, I just yeah. need to make something that looks good. Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah? There's a wonderful thing that Brian Eno did a long time ago when yeah. he had a creative block, which is a set of cards with sort of prompts on them. Okay. And you just randomly pick a card... And it's something like slower or I bigger or, okay. or, you know, try doing it in the style of somebody else yeah, or yeah. something like that, which is just can sort of free you up yeah. in order to 
in order to make and from from the making to generate ideas i think once you've got to the point where you can start to make work and you're not so appalled by it that you that you, yeah. that you feel like giving up <laughs> i see what i think saying. you can then just look at the work and then every piece of work will have a numerous ways of that you can kind of develop it this way or that way that you can just choose oh that's interesting creating freedom to to make things so that then once you're making things then then you can later decide whether you like it or not well then you can exercise your (laughs) your sort of reflective and critical ability if you're just doing you know if you're just going okay i'm going to make this absolutely absolute masterpiece Mm -hmm. and then you don't your critical facility is just destructive yeah yeah but if it's you know once you get over that then it can be just give you so many directions that yeah you can go so i think it is about embarking on the process yeah or embarking on a process but i i think we do find that the ideas or the ideas are sort of there already okay. you know that they're there to be discovered and the clinicians because we it, clinicians know their field and they know their patients and the experience you know they do see everything so the idea is sort of usually to be found somewhere Mm -hmm. in talking to people and uncovering that so but I think the difficult work of I'm, I'm not a creative artist I'm not somebody who who like like Martin who actually makes pieces so I do I do work privately and understand that process that you know he's describing now and I would totally endorse it but 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 my experience in in art insight is 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 in uncovering ideas is is talking to to you know the as many people as possible mm. preferably one-to-one actually and because people open up more on one-to-ones and and will say something slightly off the wall like you know it's like flying a kite because they don't feel silly sitting around yeah, a big table true. I'm not sure we would have got that so we do lots of workshop activities with people and you know different ways trying to different ways to engage people to enable those sort of nuggets to come tumbling out yeah, yeah. what's your favorite workshop activity my favorite workshop activity that I've seen us do is around color so the color exercise that we ran was asking people to pick their favorite color and then asking people to pick a color they didn't like and then bridging that with other colors that Mm. made those colors sit together and I think that why that's very helpful for us as designers is it gets people out of the space of thinking which color they like and that we can only have a consensus on on a color that people like and actually we can have you know many colors and we can even have colors that people don't like and they will make the scheme work and without having them in the scheme the palette doesn't work I see okay and I think that's really helpful because we do get there there is a possible you know I think schemes do get bogged down in these discussions around you know we need blue and blue is a calming color and it can also be a cold color and you know too much blue gives you a blue filter (laughs) you know so I think it does help people just by sort of again referring back to to doing rather than thinking Mm -hmm. it helps people to see aha it's not one color we need a pop of orange we need that dark tone that dark value you know to make it all sit together and be beautiful you know yeah, and and they do make color palettes that they're very happy with, you know. Yeah, having yeah. gone through that process, it's a it's a real aha moment. Oh, so I really enjoyed that. I I see that's so interesting. You're taking people on a journey, I guess, rather than dictating to them mm. <laughs> what it is mm. that what it is that they they're going to have mm. in their space. Mm. I think healthcare and design have a lot in common. They're both very much about problem solving. And they're also very much about empathy as well. But at the same time, there is a major disconnect in a lot of health spaces. The design standard is very different from experiences they have in the commercial world or just in other spaces, perhaps when they're being sold to. I just wonder why it is you think there is that disconnect when it comes to healthcare that we 
we aren't elevating that experience in the same way we do in the commercial space other than the obvious we think that there's money constraints which i feel is not necessarily a, a very good excuse to be honest with you what's your perspective on this i i think it's coming you know i just think that there's a, that's the tide is flowing mm-hmm. towards a understanding that the environment you know people's environment is has somatic effects mm-hmm. and you know that the, uh, and, uh, and i think you know the fact that it's coming is because the recognition that the mind and the body are, are connected in you know in you know it seems silly to say that doesn't it now it, because it's become so part of the mainstream but i think mm-hmm. that when i grew up i think you know i think we all thought we were sort of brains on sticks <laughs> and uh, you know that those two that those two parts of our our consciousness are when we're disconnected in some way so i think it's just a matter of time i they, i think if there were was more money about it would happen faster but it will happen you know yeah i'm pretty sure it's 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 on its way definitely amazing i think it's historical that that's come about that way i think it's about the people that have been working on those projects i think healthcare spaces are about designing a process they're designing clinical adjacencies it, it it's a very technical design specification if, mm-hmm. when you're just you know creating a hospital i think the tendency is to that 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 those features and you know the carry such a load that and such a lot of attention that by the time they got round to thinking of floor colors or yeah. you know they 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 would they would just choose what they thought was un- inoffensive yeah. so it, it was to do with the that 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 area wasn't given much importance because the clinical side overrode and the clinical needs overrode those design aesthetics and the design aesthetics were seen as subsidiary to the the drive for clinical adjacencies and efficient facilities and and all of those aspects i think over the years we have now begun to feel too processed and clinical spaces have emerged as too you know we we feel like we're in a factory or we're just we feel we're in a, a, a sterile space that you know doesn't support us and and so the fallout has you know happened and you know people as as martin says the people the attention now is to to bring the emotional and the functional together and you know that that, that importance is being seen yeah it's so true. I think that design or aesthetics and art are seen as kind of the cherry on top. They're just the the kind of the nice wrapping. And it's it's really great to see, very interesting to see how you're kind of baking that into the function as well of the space, into into kind of the, the very fundamentals of the space. We had this thing, I, I've forgotten about it actually, but there, we had this thing, talking about what we did which was to do you know the kind of best aspiration was Mm -hmm. that instead of going into into a hospital and saying oh this is nice this looks like you know the apple store or this looks like (laughs) you know really posh home that people might go into someone's home and go Oh, this is nice this is almost like a hospital oh i love this (laughs) you know like (laughs) like you know because really and i wonder you see you know it's a funny thing because i guess the nhs was you know started post-war and you know that it was it, there was a job to be done there was this big job to do with kind of tuberculosis war wounds you yeah. know, things like that and i think there was a sort of sense and you see it in the housing as well that everything was very kind of utilitarian it was solving big social problems and as people came to understand that you know the rather than necessarily treating things like polio you know and as those sorts of those they be, they did the biggest challenges now are people kind of self medicating basically you know, mm. eating the wrong things self medicating in, in in ways which is da- damaging to their health yeah. that that that's you know that needs a that needs a new look you know it needs a new look and it needs a new feel nobody wants to come over as being in inefficient if they're a doctor you know uh, on the other hand well you don't do you and mm. patients don't want to sort of be an efficient doctor you know so it's you know you have to i think you have to respect that mm-hmm. so but i think quite often we're kind of harmonizing that sort of 
efficiency with a sort of with something that has in uh, an emotional warmth like a person and i think you know the truth is that you know you just have to look at doctors and nurses and you see it i think that's a really a good point i think that we are very effective with our kind of patient contact or our, our communication with patients we're, we're taught to speak or how to communicate better with people all kinds of different people and and so on that side of things the people themselves are very very caring and the the trouble is more kind of visual communication more than than anything else really i had a question really i think you may have answered it in a way i see a future where design and branding is used in healthcare to help to build trust between patients and the people who are providing care for them I wonder what you think and how do you think design can help healthcare to get to a better future? I think if we can build emotional connection, we actually help people on their recovery journey. If we can help people or manage or their health, their condition, then we we're we're helping to sort of build healthier people. So I think it it's about that if we can if we can help people to feel safe and to open up and recognize the uh, the whole picture of their health. But I think that will lead to sort of, you know, better choices, living choices and eventually to sort of better outcomes. That sounds a bit, you know, sort of like NHS speak. But I'm I'm thinking of, you know, I'm sort of thinking of my mother, actually, mm. you know, being able to, as, as an older person, sort of feeling seen, feeling looked after would encourage her to look after herself better. Yeah, yeah. And then she would be in a better position with her situation and uh, and everyone would be moving forward but mm-hmm. i think her experiences of of you know going into hospitals and gps is always a sort of that she feels a rebuff you know and and it, part of that's the environment and part of that's what you know martin was saying about consultants mm-hmm. you know looking at the screen and not being seen yourself and so it is all i think if we can help people connect with each other and and then by doing that take care of their own lives but to do that you need strength you yeah know? so it's it's helping to connect with people to give them that strength that i think we can we can help build that future of health is made at home which is a book on our table here <laughs> the, the the word that we hear most is calm mm-hmm. right so you, you say so what kind of feeling do you want they go calm <laughs> You want it to be calm. It's like mayhem in here, you know. <laughs> and and it's very interesting when you look into that because if you want to be perhaps a little bit sort of dark about it, you say, well, what you want is compliancy. You know, you want a compliant patient. You want somebody who will... But I think the other thing that you need, you know, that will let you look in your, your ear and won't wriggle. I'm talking about children now. But, you know, you you don't want people to be angry. You you need them to have their resting heart rate. You don't want them to have an, an anxious heart rate. Mm. But I think the, the the other thing about calm is that it's it's not only about compliancy. And actually, the, the, the diagnostic job is made much easier if the patient is able to feel themselves you know rather than feeling the kind of emotion which is related to the circumstances you know i see you know do you know what i mean it's like so they so everyone says yeah we want to become for that reason because they can do their diagnosis better Mm -hmm. and we had an interesting sort of flip on that which was we had these films that we made which were just single shots of of beautiful places where things changed but not surprisingly so you know just the the light changes in the woods things like that and it was for a dementia ward and they found it very effective you know that if patients were feeling distressed they would would take them they'd show them these films and they would calm down but they had this other recognition which was that if they didn't calm down they realized it must be something else i see okay they it wasn't that they were kind of distressed by the you know what which very often happens with dementia patients which is that they feel distressed because of 
what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. but that it must be that they have they, you know, they had some urinary tract infection or something like that, mm-hmm. and so, so they were using it sort of in reverse as a sort of diagnostic tool. Oh, that's so interesting! It's yeah, I, there's so many really interesting kind of links, you know, mm-hmm. be, be, you know, to do with you know, like, well, how are you feeling? You know, that's that's what doctors say. What would be a dream healthcare brief for you to work on? You know, I've I've had thoughts myself about you know, dialysis units, maybe you've already done that kind of thing. People are waiting for a really long time. You know, they go very frequently to hospital three times a week for a lot of patients and they kind of just have to sit and wait in not the most hopeful kind of environment, let's say. I wonder if you've had any thoughts about uh, a brief that you haven't worked on or a, or a space that you haven't worked on so far that would be interesting for you to, to you know, input your your experience into my dream is just to get stuck in yeah. and do something with a very quick turnaround, mm. but to work on it intensively, you know, particularly work on it with people who are in the thick of it, as it were, rather than, you know, dreaming, you know. I think for me, actually, the, the, I'd, I'd really like to work on a, on a, a mental health space, mm. which, yeah, where, where there was that but I think what would make it would be a dream would be for people to be more open about what a healthcare space, a mental healthcare space, would be like. And I think that's hard to find because I think there are so many kind of anxieties around, you know, about it, about the potentially catastrophic effects of of it not being safe. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah, if I'd, I'd love the idea of building a a, a mental health inpatients facility with a whole bunch of mental health inpatients you know mm. just building it when we were in Broadmoor the, the, the occupational therapists who are our kind of big main point of contact from one of them saying to me could you could you persuade the builders to leave a bit unfinished oh, because yeah. you know they would just get so much out of like building it you know making it thinking about you know in the process of making it so yeah, I'm a big fan of Christopher Alexander, you know, the the sort of hippie architect who who built some a mental health space in California where he basically took all the clinicians out and a couple of patients out for I think a week and they took stakes and ropes and they kind of on the site and they hammered them in and said what would it be like you know if the door you know and this is your office that's what you're going to be looking at and what's it going to be next to and they had these kind of discussions which are very practical you know you know they were making something yeah 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 oh that's so that's very very interesting so just to finish off i this is a question that i ask to everyone who comes on the podcast i would just like you for a minute it's a bit of an abstract question but i would like you to imagine that you are the dean of the medical school because we've talked a lot about working with clinicians you as the dean will have kind of a power to influence clinicians at the stage while they are becoming and I just want to know from you if you were to be the dean and you were able to kind of change the curriculum what would you want the students to be learning about in their curriculum about design and art that could help them in their careers in healthcare well actually I've got a question for you yeah so when you're in in your healthcare education yeah how much modeling was there of the kind of situations that you were going to find yourself in well we had kind of they would call it clinics from the third year onwards you are spending a lot of time in hospital you have a list of it's almost like a i think of it now as like a treasure hunt what's the word they give you a list of things and you have to kind of tick them off so take blood from a patient take a history do this kind of examination or that kind of examination and you need someone to watch you so that's kind of modeling in that sense we also had things called oskies which are exams with kind of real patients actually who come in and they will present to you their their history or you're supposed to ask the relevant questions to get a history from them in an exam so so yeah I guess that's kind of a a modeling it's supposed to be a modeling of a, a real situation you are very much supposed to act like this is a real situation that you're in with mm. a patient yeah and well I'd be tempted to, to flip it around and get mm-hmm. you to be the patient 
Okay. You know, to, to, to sort of think, you know, to, to actually start thinking what it would be like to be on the other side of it. Yeah. Or, and it, which sounds silly, you know, it, but I think it's actually, I mean, it, it's, it's what people do in drama, you know, workshops. And I, I think that actually there's a, you know, we, we talked about exercises by Joseph Albers, but I think there's a huge mine of, of theatre workshop exercises which i think would be a really useful thing to mine for 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 the dean of the of the medical college to do with i suppose you know what we call empathetic design Mm -hmm. you know which really is only possible if you are able to kind of connect with your own empathy i Mm -hmm. think yeah yeah that's really powerful i think i found this question very difficult because i was imagining the poor student and i do feel that the environment you know so many of the environments we see must be so difficult to work in for students and yeah so exhausting you know deep planned spaces with no daylight you know these not seeing the day you know these very we've talked about the drab colors that have come in through practical choices and (laughs) the clinical designs that are clinical so I I've I just felt it was an unfair question. <laughs> uh-huh. It's what what can we do for the for the students rather rather than what should we be teaching them? Uh, yes, I felt that yeah, that it's so hard to disentangle that environment from that learning experience. Must be so hard to to struggle through with a environment that's working against you to keep your empathy and to see a patient as a patient for the first time always mm. must be so so difficult but people do and that that's what's so mm. astonishing and wonderful about you know the care that we do receive in hospitals it is there's so much empathy and compassion yeah i love i love your answer yeah it's so true it's a difficult environment for patients a lot of the time but it's true as a student as well it's not it's quite a harsh environment to learn in to be honest with you yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's really scary. I, I, I've hung about in EDs quite a lot mm. and, and seeing the junior doctors. Terrified. Know, it's, it, uh, really terrified. Yeah. And and learning so much so quickly, you mm-hmm. know, in this kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, it is a hothouse and you must come out sort of like blinking into the day or actually quite often into the into night. Into the night. <laughs> you know, thinking, yeah. you know, what, what is, what, what, where was that? And, and, you know, do you dream of it? I mean, is it, does it become so kind of all-encompassing? Yeah. Disorienting, I, yeah. I, I saw somebody talking who ha- had just got tenure in an American university mm-hmm. and they said, you know, nobody decorates their offices or, you know, they'd like put, they put their certificates up, you know, the, the woman who's decorating her office. She was in a way building her identity, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like in, in Harley Street, you know, they kind of go to enormous trouble, you know, making, you know, with the big desks and the nice <laughs> soft carpet and things like that. Yeah, I think it would like, okay, so what's, you know, what's your, ask them, what's your consulting room gonna look like you know yeah. and oh that would be nice. try it out yeah i think i think that's a really that would be a lovely kind of exercise in imagination for a lot of medical students even because there's a kind of at least for me there's a kind of abstraction between you know where you are at that point you're not even graduated and and where you hope to be in many many years to come it can feel like a very long journey and perhaps to kind of be able to realize or to imagine what the end point that you're reaching towards could be a real source of motivation for them as well. I think so, because I think they can be very influential. You know, I just yeah. talked about, you know, how doctors can walk in and go, nope, you've got to build it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can they can be hugely influential in, in the building of new facilities. Amazing. Everybody listens really, really carefully. Mm-hmm. You know, they might kind of be, you know, they're being difficult, but actually they have to listen really, really carefully. So, you know, kind of gearing yourself up to be able to kind of talk about that kind of stuff I think is really important mm-hmm. and it you know the, the the other thing is like you have to make a choice you know I learned this in filmmaking you know that you you people have to wear something right yeah. either they wear something or they're naked that's a choice right <laughs> yeah. and if they're going to make if you're going to wear something what are they going to wear mm-hmm. right so if you're going to meet a patient what's behind you you know, you maybe you're wearing a uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't got a choice in that. But what's 
what's you know what's the ideal thing to be standing in front of or sitting in front of when when you meet a patient you mm-hmm. know, you've got there's the choice got to be made there yeah. if you don't make a choice someone else is going to make a choice for you yeah yeah it's it's really interesting that you talk about the power of clinicians really because this is something that I don't, I don't think i was expecting to learn this from from talking to you actually that you know clinicians are so you know not just i i thought they were influential but i see now that actually there's they're kind of key decision makers actually when it comes to these these spaces and so i hope that people feel empowered from this conversation that they they really do have a a real effect upon the spaces that they work in as well thank you so much i just wanted to thank you for (laughs) (laughs) inviting us onto your podcast and thank you very much for you know coming and sharing your time and Oh. We've really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brand New Doctor with Louisa and Martin of Art Insight. I know I love looking at the healthcare experience through another lens, so I hope it was as enjoyable for you and you learned something new. You can find out more about Art Insight and see the amazing spaces they create if you go to their website, artinsight.co.uk, and follow them on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram at rollercare.so. I'd love to hear from you. And I'll be back soon with another episode of Brand New Doctor.